0: Welcome teacher friend, I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot
1: of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today.
0: Hi everyone, it's Melissa and Lori from Literacy Podcast, Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. We are excited to talk to you today because we always talk about Wit and Wisdom as high quality instructional materials and high quality curricula. And we thought, wouldn't it be really helpful to do a little overview of Wit and Wisdom (laughs) so that when we talk about it, if you don't know what we're talking about, you can learn about it. So, Melissa, how are you doing? Great,
1: yeah, and we don't we don't get a chance to just talk about wit and wisdom very often. I mean, we talk about it all the time, all but the time. you and I don't just sit and talk about it, so this is
0: fun. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's going to take us back to the. We'll have a little throwback to when we implemented what three years ago now. Yeah, yeah, we were trying to figure it all out. So, if you are watching this or listening to this, we're just helping you figure it all out. A little bit of information about wit and wisdom, and. You know why high-quality instructional materials matter, and what are the components of high-quality instructional materials? And specifically, wit and wisdom.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, the biggest thing for me, Lori, when we switched to wit and wisdom, was this knowledge building. Yeah. That I mean, I didn't even really think about that term or hear it before we switch to wit and wisdom. So that for me is like the number one thing I think we should talk about. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That was, that was the aha moment for me too. When we were, you know, going through the curriculum and they were talking about knowledge building and how, you know, you really can't comprehend an absence of knowledge and how that's a critical component. That's where everything clicked. And I think you and I have had a lot of conversations about that um it's that that's where it clicked for me and I was like this is this is what I've been looking for my entire teacher life
1: (laughs) yeah and I mean you know we're we're both trained reading specialists so we've seen Scarborough's reading rope and we've seen that knowledge building is on there Mm -hmm. um but but we didn't know what it meant yeah it's like you just kind of think yes if you're reading you're building knowledge of course But to think about, you know, are we really like being strategic about what knowledge we're building for our students and, you know, making sure, I mean, I, you know, I I taught out of textbooks too, where it was this random story after this random story and this random story. And I, you know, teachers would teach, like, I like this story, so I'm teaching it and not think about... Or I like this
0: book, secondary teachers uh do that a lot. I like this (laughs) novel, like it's my favorite and I want to bring it to my students. Yeah.
1: Right. But we don't think often about like what are we like, what knowledge is that building for our students? You know, we, we, we think about it the other way, like, do they have the knowledge to understand this text, but we don't think about what knowledge it's actually building for texts that they'll see after. And that's what I think was really uh, powerful for me about Wit and Wisdom is seeing, you know, across the grade levels, it was really laid out, like very specifically and strategically to build on knowledge year after year for students um, so that you, you know, you're building a base and not relying only on their social studies and science classes, but using the ELA time to build knowledge too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I always think of it like, cause I'm so visual. I always think about it like both horizontally and vertically. So like building knowledge over time in that grade level, but then also vertically as the student works yeah. their way through the grade bands through the you know from the experience of the student and I think that's something that wit and wisdom made me think about differently that we're really thinking about the student experience and prior to Wit and Wisdom I always thought about it as the teacher experience giving it to the students Mm -hmm. whereas Wit and Wisdom really helped me shift and think like what is the experience for the students in terms of knowledge building and you know their experience walking in your door from the very beginning, and then leaving you that horizontal experience of building knowledge throughout the school year when they're in, you know, your your class, such as maybe a third grade class, as well as that same third grade student having this opportunity to build threads of knowledge over time, um, and 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 how it's being set up in third grade to fourth grade to fifth grade to sixth grade, and that is something that, you know, when we were in Baltimore City when, before when was down, we didn't have that because everybody was either doing different curriculum, there were different throughout the bands, or it was just people were making their own curriculum, or, you know, it was a homegrown curriculum, so you never had that thread of knowledge that was really intentionally woven in. Right, and I remember when we
1: talked to Natalie Wexler,
0: which was amazing, but... Wasn't that so amazing? <laughs> I
1: mean, yes, absolutely. Thanks to Natalie for responding to us. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but you know I mean you know she talks about the baseball study and how important that is but I think like you know her book the knowledge gap what I really took away from that was just how so many ELA classrooms are just focused on the skills and you know even treating the standards like skills that you just like do one time check it off the box see if they can do it and and that's that's not the way we need to teach reading and you know that we're not you know you, you see it and sometimes with your with your daughter and how she's bringing home a <laughs> you know, one one story about something for one day and then never sees that again. And that doesn't help build the vocabulary and the knowledge that is really gonna make a difference for her.
0: Oh my gosh, totally. Yeah, and I feel like if you're either listening or watching right now, it would be really helpful to um, look up some information on Natalie Wexler, on her book, The Knowledge Gap, um, The Necessity of Knowledge Building. So look up the baseball study, And I mean, we can give a quick blip of the baseball study, but and we can also hyperlink our podcast to Wexler in here too, because she, in the first, I think, we well, we've talked with her twice. She's very kindly spoken with us twice, but in the first few minutes of the first podcast with her, she gave a really exceptional explanation of the baseball study that's very easy to understand. Um, I'm happy to take a go at it if you... (laughs) <laughs> Melissa you, you ready? Go for it. <laughs> okay so um, there was a study and um, researchers you know have had a group of students and they assessed them um, using their knowledge of baseball which is why it's called the baseball study. <laughs> um, they found that the students who had um, a low reading ability and low knowledge of baseball you know didn't perform as well as students who had high reading ability and high knowledge of baseball, this is not the exceptional finding. this is this is the findings that I think we would all expect to find right If you have a high reading ability and a high knowledge of the, the content area or the subject area, you're going to be able to read and do well on an assessment. But what was especially compelling is that students who had low reading ability and high knowledge of baseball did almost as well, almost performed equally as well as students who had high reading ability and high knowledge of baseball. So that's very, very compelling. And I know you're thinking something because so I can see your face. <laughs> well, no, absolutely. I just think,
1: that. I mean, I think what that shows is the the need to focus on making sure that we are helping students build knowledge in school, not relying on, you know, all of their outside, what they do, you know, with their families and what they read outside of school, but that we are focusing on building knowledge in school and not focusing only on those skills, strategies, and um, standards. And I'm not saying any, none of those are important. All of those things are important, right? But if we only focus on those, then we won't see the, the, um, the outcomes that you just mentioned in the baseball study.
0: Yeah. And I think too, I want to name that, you know, when we say content area, we're talking uh, history, science, the arts, as well as literature. And one of the things that I do think makes Witten Wisdom very special is that we do integrate so much art and it is a really essential and um, accessible access point for students. And I'll tell a quick story. So, When Presley and I, at the beginning of the pandemic, when Presley and I were, you know, doing um some stuff together when school kind of looked different and she was like not wanting to go on to virtual school so much and it was a struggle. I was like, let's do a little bit of wind wisdom together. We'll see how see how it goes. (laughs) And um she started walking around the house, our house, and like looking at every piece of artwork we have, which is like like I'm not an art collector. We don't have you know, fancy art. Like I have a piece of art from IKEA, and she would stand in front of it and like be like, "I notice," and I wonder, <laughs> and then she'd be like, "And I think this is happening." <laughs> I think That's that this awesome. it speaks to like the the power of of art, but also the power of the integrated approach, which is that integrated approach that you know, Witten wisdom takes of reading, writing, speaking, listening. Um, as well as, you know, I know we've talked a lot about it with um, universal design for learning and social emotional learning and just meeting the needs of all learners. And, but it was, it just was, it spoke to me so much to see her transfer that from the little bit of time that we had spent working together Mm -hmm. to, you know, suddenly our home is an art gallery and (laughs) (laughs) noticing and wondering about everything. (laughs) Well, and I think that
1: speaks to what, I mean, what I love about Win Wisdom is like, that it, you know when you're doing that integrated approach and doing you're doing all those things right the standards are there your strategies for reading are built in everything's in it but it feels authentic right like when presley's doing that it's because she she did it with something that felt authentic and you've talked about it before like you know her like wanting to learn more about the oceans and the heart and all those things is because she went through it and it felt like she was reading and Doing, you know, all the the writing, the speaking, everything she was doing was authentic to learn and tell what she learned instead of, uh, you know, what's the standard for today? RL point two, okay. Sign check the it main off. idea
0: and then, you <laughs> and, know, write about the main idea and right.
1: that's <laughs> And that's I, that, that's not going to transfer into what you saw, right? Right? Like you're going to see when it's authentic and she feels like. I'm going to read my quote again. That's on my Post-it on the wall because yeah, I just love it. Yeah, you've been reading it all the time. <laughs> I know. But from Sue Pimentel and Meredith Lieben from one of our podcasts who said, we don't read to check on our reading skills and strategies. We read to learn from the text. And, you know, that's what that's what she's doing there, even from, from art too. But Reading to learn, yeah.
0: Yeah. I also want to just define the integrated approach for for those either listening or watching so that we can all be on the same page. When we're we're saying the words integrated approach or the term integrated, we mean um, reading and fluency, speaking and listening, writing, inquiry, vocabulary, and style and conventions, all surrounding knowledge and text. So knowledge and text is at the center of all of that. So I just wanted to name that. That's really important. And then, you know, as we... um, uh, you know, I think it's important, Melissa, if we just give a quick little blip about maybe a, a couple of them that, you know, the the ones that um, folks might be interested in hearing more about. So definitely, you know, reading, fluency, writing, speaking, and listening. And um, just share, you know, what that what that means in practice. What does that look like? What does that sound like?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we can talk a little bit about writing. You want to talk about writing?
0: Oh, yeah. Let's start with writing. And uh, we can talk about... Where do you want to start, Lori? The... No. <laughs> well, I mean, we did interview the fabulous Vermont Writing Collaborative yes. on the podcast. And um, I l- just thought they really clearly articulated how, you know, writing is a way to show knowledge yep, and and just show everything that you've learned. And, you know, I was I was funny because I shared a little story on that podcast how how many times in high school I sat down to write a paper and like nothing would flow from my fingertips <laughs> right because it was completely blank because I had <laughs> not enough knowledge to write about it but it yeah. it never occurred to me that that was why until and that was really <laughs>
1: yeah I mean that was that's the basis of their their book and that's the basis of the, like their whole you know, way that they teach writing is that first you have to help students build the knowledge through reading, through, you know, inquiry and through speaking and listening that, you know, then they have something to write about. And I think we've heard that from plenty of our guests too, is just how amazed they've been with the amount of writing that students are doing that, frankly, some of them said that teachers thought they weren't capable of. Yeah. Yeah. But then they're like amazed because they have built so much knowledge that now the students have something to write about and they can because they have that they have those ideas. They're not like Lori who
0: <laughs> struggling nothing to write. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Though I think a lot of guests and also you know teachers that we talk with or work with or worked with, um, one of the first things that they shared was their aha moment with wit and wisdom was always within like the first couple of months when students were writing, like they've never seen them write before. Mm-hmm. And I think that was especially telling for teachers who've like taught the same grade level a couple of times yep. and they've seen, you know, the, the very, tr- in uh, maybe in, um, before high quality curriculum movement happened and they're using, you know, other curricula or they're using homegrown curricula and, you know, they're using sentence frames, like the author's purpose is, um, blank instead of asking a rich question that students can use their knowledge to identify the author's purpose. That is, you still get it the same goal, but it's so much more authentic and meaningful because it's in the context of the knowledge and the text that they're working with.
1: Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. No more random page papers about. <laughs> you please. know, what
0: did you do over the summer? <laughs> or, <laughs> please and also <laughs> please. I know. So if we if we take that idea of like this is the end goal that we want, right? We want students to be able to write ultimately, right, and show what they know about what they've they've learned on topics or topic a topic if we back map that maybe and and talk a little bit about speaking and listening and vocabulary and how that interplays or is interwoven within, like I'm thinking about, um, you know, speaking and listening. We want, those are really essential experiences for students to be able to practice what they write Mm -hmm. um, before they write it. So they're able to talk with their peers, hear their peers, um, talk with a t- the t- hear the you know, hear the teacher, guide a conversation, um, or ask really important questions about a topic that are going to help them be able to build their knowledge. And we have those instructional routines built within. So I'm just going to name a couple so that they can begin to jog our collective understanding. So, for example, you know chalk talk, um, readers' theater, um, and these are speaking to learn instructional routines, right? Uh, graffiti walls fish bowls so these are things that are helping students access knowledge and then be able to export that knowledge in speaking and listening and ultimately then through writing
1: right right and I've, I've it's so purposefully built in throughout right you can see that you know the Socratic seminars will then help you you know help students to be able to write their their end of module task right so it's it's there to you know Take them from the reading to the speaking and listening, making sense of what they've read, getting their ideas ready to put on paper. So it's so it's very purposeful and like builds up throughout the the modules and it just makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. And it's authentic, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we think about how we get them there, um, you know, through vocabulary that you know, students are exposed to more rich vocabulary than I think I've ever seen yeah. free win wisdom.
1: <laughs> and, I mean, and honestly, like, I mean, I, I just took a course with uh, David Lieben and Meredith Lieben who ooh. talked all about, you know, the best way to build vocabulary is to have these topic based text sets, which is exactly what, <laughs> what we yeah. have. So even, yeah. you know, even just starting with the actual texts and the, the, you know, multiple texts on the same topic or a similar topic, we're already at a
0: <laughs> head of the game there
1: for yeah. vocabulary
0: building. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think it's like, so fun to hear the kids learn new language and then use it both in, you know, they, they get their kind of get their toes wet with using it in that speaking and listening. So in those conversations with each other, lots of opportunities for that, but then also like in their, writing. Like they get excited to be able to use that vocabulary in context mm-hmm. of what they're trying to say. And it's empowering for them.
1: I yeah. remember
0: um, Presley was was reading uh, a fluency passage and it had the word phytoplankton in it. And, you know, she was knew what it meant because we had read, you know, the texts and this fluency passage um, was from the text that they were studying. And, she watched a YouTube video and she, she was like, um, mom, this this lady on the YouTube video, she's saying phytoplankton incorrectly. And I, <laughs> I'm not sure that she's using it correctly either. And when we went back, she was Presley was right. Like <laughs> the woman was wrong. <laughs> so she was saying it wrong and then also like using it incorrectly. And Presley Yikes. caught it and I was like, Brilliant. But <laughs> how many third graders can catch that who are not witten wisdom stickers? Right, right. <laughs> it's like
1: how many third graders know it? phytoplankton? Probably not too many.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it was exciting to hear you say that because I felt like that vocabulary really is just an important part of all right. of it, you know. Of right. Obviously, reading, writing, speaking, listening, but it really shows up and shines through in the the speaking and the listening and the writing.
1: And it's another one where I mean, you've told me this before too that like you know she saw it in her fluency passage, but that means she also saw it in what she was reading, you know, aside from just a fluency passage. Mm -hmm. And then I know she also used it in her writing because I saw some of her writing samples. So it became a, you know, because it wasn't just a one-time. You do this word, we take a quiz on it. You know, it's like we're continuing to see this word, seeing words that you know are related to that word. And so it became a word that is sticking in her brain now, not just a word yeah. I remembered for a quiz and then I forget it.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many of those there were in school. <laughs> uh, that's I did a lot of those. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so, and then you mentioned like it started in her reading, right? So when mm-hmm. we think about that reading and fluency work, students who are doing those repeated fluency readings to to build their fluency um, and also to increase their content knowledge and, and practice saying that vocabulary and, and saying and out loud complex sentences that they maybe would not necessarily get to say Allowed, you know, without a fluency passage from, you know, a text that they can read um, because they've had so much practice doing so. Um, but the, the the reading and the fluency are, you know, obviously all in concert of that knowledge and texts. So, um, you know, for a text like phytoplankton, I'm sorry, for a vocabulary word like phytoplankton to show up and for her to feel successful, there were. I think that happened maybe around the third arc of that module. Mm-hmm. So she had exposure to many texts leading up to that. Right. That would give her the confidence to be able to read this word, know what it meant, you know, be able to read this fluency passage with complex sentences. But they were texting the core instruction that were happening, um, that were building her knowledge to help her be able to execute that.
1: Yeah. And you just reminded me of something else too, Laura, because I feel like I've said a couple times now how, you know, and Wisdom doesn't focus on the reading skills and standards. And I just want to be really clear that that doesn't mean they don't exist in the curriculum, right? Because.
0: Oh my gosh, they're the, they,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are the, they're like the core, uh, right? Like our, you know, there are reading standards being hit every single day, well, all the standards, but, you know, especially reading and, and there are like, I mean, you know, reading skills are kind of getting a bad name, but those content stages in written Wisdom that are these like habits of readers that, you know, they're seeing over and over again. Like you said with Presley, right? She like saw a piece of art on her own and started to notice and wonder, right? That first step of like thinking about what she's reading or looking at. Um, I just yeah. wanted to throw that out. Like they're in there, but it's so authentic and so integrated into this, you know, rich knowledge building curriculum that it, it's not the the main thing, right? It's not
0: the only thing you're doing that day is finding the main idea, <laughs> right? But you're it's... probably finding the main idea and then also doing several other things to help you understand <laughs> the text. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and finding the main idea is helping you to make sense of this text, right? It's it's built in
0: for a purpose. Not that's not the sole purpose itself. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, so I'm going to name the content stages that you just mentioned, just so. You know, when, I'm, when people are saying like, oh, well, what made Presley walk around and notice and wonder and then ask what was <laughs> happening? Like, why did she particularly do those things? So the content stages in wisdom are as follows. We have five stages, wonder, organize, reveal, distill, know. And in the wonder stage, students ask, like, answer the question and they consider the question, what do I notice and wonder about this text? In the organized stage, they ask, what is happening in this text? and reveal what does a deeper exploration of this reveal. Distill what is the essential meaning of this text and then finally know how does this text build my knowledge? And that's where that knowledge is really stamped Mm -hmm. so that students, it becomes theirs over the course of the the content stages. And they, they don't always happen Perfectly right. Um, it's not always like wonder organized reveal to still know. Wonder organized reveal to still know. Because we know <laughs> that in real yeah. life that's not how things go. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's totally dependent messier.
1: on what text you're reading and what's happening in the text at what point. Yeah. Um, and, and that's... what knowledge you have.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I said about that, you know, phytoplankton um e- example, the that vocabulary word came from a text that was like That she had already read several poems, looked at some art, um, read two books prior to that. So that the knowledge that she had going into that text was so much greater than the first book of, you know, oh hey, this is we're now learning about this new topic. It's all new there. So you know, you might spend more time in uh, that organized stage trying to figure out what's happening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I love that these stages they I mean they stay the same, right? K through 8 you have these stages the whole way through. So they become a part of, you know, as as students move from one grade level to the next, they they know this, they feel confident, they get better at it and it becomes just like what you do when you read, right? You you start with just like I don't know what's going on in this text, let me try <laughs> and figure it out to like figuring it out at a deeper level, you know, as you, you know, are getting into higher grade levels you are asking you know deeper questions and and harder questions to figure out these more difficult texts um and I love that they all just end in this like like the soul the real purpose of this was not (laughs) any one of those things but it was to take all of those things in order to you know solidify what did I learn from that text what did it what did it what am I taking away from it
0: exactly um what I think I just looked for a quote that I wrote down yesterday. It says, uh, knowledge of the world is gained through knowledge of the discipline. Mm. So when you think about that, I think that's exactly what you just articulated, you know, that students are able to build knowledge of the world around them by going really deep and studying knowledge in a discipline. And that's what we're aiming to do.
1: Yeah, you can't you can't do it otherwise. You can't do it when you just spend a day or even a week on a topic. No, no. <laughs> it it's not going to. I remember Natalie Wexler talked about those like Velcro balls, right? That yeah, stick. <laughs> I always have that in my head. Like they're not going to stick if you don't spend enough time
0: <laughs> trying right. to
1: learn something. They just will like stick around for a second and then fall back off. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I mean, it just is, it naturally works with how kids learn too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, kids are so curious and inquiry-based. And so it, we were fostering that through deep study of a topic. You know, I mean, um, when Presley was working and, and focusing on the C in that module- it, everything was about this like i mean we watched the titanic mm-hmm. we because, like she was like looking for documentaries to watch on i mean she was watching titanic documentaries <laughs> on netflix she, i don't even know if i can say that she was watching titanic documentaries <laughs> looking for information because she wanted to know more and right. it, it's just funny <laughs> that it you know that inquiry is so fostered i mean um we're, she was reading other books about mm-hmm. you know about the the, the, the C about, um, topic, shark attacks, you know, things that were very, um, engaging to her in the module. She wanted to read more about outside. And that's where I think that ownership of the learning and the knowledge, and that's how you build that knowledge of the world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Getting them hungry for it.
1: For sure.
0: (laughs) So, should we shift and just talk a little bit about um we recently podcasted with ed reports, and you know, I feel like we want to just share that obviously we like Wit and wisdom was all green on ed reports, they had mm-hmm. high scores across all areas, and um, you know, just kind of validate a little bit of what we've been talking about,
1: yeah, for sure, I mean, I mean. We've talked a lot about building knowledge, which is one of the things that EdReports looks for, um, so obviously that is huge, <laughs> um, as well as the quality of the texts um, and the alignment and, you know, the, everything's built in there, right? The standards are already in this curriculum. You don't have to worry about... I know we've had some people in Baltimore who, like, took this curriculum and then went and, like, did a standards alignment, and I, know, I remember again, David Lee been telling us all, right? Just like, trust it. Like, they're there. <laughs> like, yeah. Ed, Re- Ed Reports already did that. People did this work already. Yeah. and <laughs> I'm pretty sure to. you can
0: find it for free on Ed Reports, so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't, you know, go find, if you need to, I think uh, Dr. Green from Jackson um, said, hey, if you want to go look for the standards, look for the standards. Find them all in there. <laughs> you know, I mean, because right. they are in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of i think uh in EdReports reports when they did their alignment study mm-hmm. they have um four big components or four big areas i should say alignment text quality building knowledge and usability and so you know they're they're looking for the standards they're there the reports are all free on ed reports and um you know we also did get a tier one exemplifies quality on Louis- louisiana believes and uh We know that Louisiana is really making big strides. Yes, they are. (laughs) That was was really exceptional
1: to receive that rating. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just the last thing, Lori, is like we've talked to a few different people about other things that are kind of built in. Like we've been talking about like the standards are kind of just like in there and you don't necessarily you know, have to go through and find it all, right? They're there. And I think there's some other things like that too. So we've talked to some people about social emotional learning and UDL and equity and how all of those things too are also just like,
0: in it already. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I know we talked with, actually, I talked with. Um, I missed that one. I know, I talked with Chican, <laughs> um a member of Castle's board of directors. And we know that Castle is a collaborative for academic and social emotional learning. Um, and, sh- you know, she shared that, you know, when students have that deep knowledge and they're they're experiencing, I've said it lots of times before, you know, both, mirrors and windows and texts and then being able to study and really you know find essential meanings and distill down like what different um events mean and in the greater picture of the world and and in their world you know they're making sense of it in terms of their world that's building their their social emotional skills
1: for sure yeah. And then, we you know, we also talked to Shanita Rapatalo about equity. Yeah. And you know, she talked all about, you know, making sure students are getting grade level texts, grade level yeah. assignments. And then, you know, what, what Winn Wisdom does is not just like here's a really tough assignment and a really tough text, go for it. Right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but helps the student build the knowledge they need, build the vocabulary they need. So like, as you move in, into a module, you know, you are, like we said about the speaking and listening helps to prepare you for the writing. Like everything is building on top of each other so that, you know, your students are able to access it, but it is grade level. So you're giving you that equity piece is built in as well.
0: Yeah. I'm glad that you, you mentioned that, that equity is at the core of all of this. And I think that that's something that, you know, I, there's so many different ways to say that, right? Like, there are mm-hmm. some there are scaffolds embedded within for um english language learners but we know that what's good for english language learners is good for all learners right right <laughs> and we know that um there are scaffolds built in for students who might be struggling readers there are scaffolds built in for students who may need extensions you know there are scaffolds every direction it's just not bumped out in a little square box you know right saying like this is, blah blah blah. I mean there, yeah. it actually does say scaffolds, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know I feel that like we've talked about this um, in our UDL podcast that mm-hmm. in the past, you know we both have used curricula that where you opened the books, there's been a little sidebar box and it said UDL connection. and it gives you like a little UDL connection. We didn't it's not in wit and wisdom that way because we don't see it like that because it's already in. like it's developed it? with it in mind and like as it's being developed, versus as an afterthought. Like we don't need a box because it's already in there. <laughs>
1: right. I think you talked yeah. about it like, uh, you know, a cake, right? Yeah. Like if it's all baked in, you don't necessarily see all the ingredients, right? But it doesn't have to be the sprinkles on top, right? It's in there. It's baked inside. I don't remember
0: saying that, but you, I hope I think that did. I did. Okay. I hope I said that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty sure it was you. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Well, I, I just want to, like, thank you for having this conversation. I know it's one that we've wanted to have for a long time. And, you know, it's hard to sit down and, and talk a lot about um, all something of Something we
1: talk about all the time, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: was like, how do we sit down and talk about something we talk about? We we just constantly talk about. And we talk about it in, in little fragments, you know? Yeah. Like, we, we pull out this or we pull out that. So I yeah. think this will be really helpful for those listening or watching to be able to, you know, either... I guess here, see and here, or just here, Um, the different components and and what makes high quality instructional materials high quality.
1: For sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Lori. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Alyssa. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.